Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Visores Chapter House. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I am Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so I knew you were going. Yep. You are recently back. Uh, like two days ago back. And I have absolutely no idea what this place is. So start at the beginning. <laughs> Mostly, I think people don't know what it is because I haven't talked about it much because I haven't known what it is. Okay. But it was an incredibly powerful experience. Yeah. A really beautiful and wonderful, I won't say life-changing, but mm-hmm. definitely life-enhancing Oh, experience. fabulous. So it's the Fasores Chapter House. I'll spell that out because we are on radio and people can't read it. Mm-hmm. F. O-S-S-O-R-E-S. Okay. Fasores. And we don't actually know if we're pronouncing that word correctly, but that's how we're going to pronounce it. Wait, they weren't calling it that? That's what we call it. The word comes from a kind of sand wasp. Okay, now I'm really confused. I know, isn't it great? That sounds like a terrible thing to name a house after. I know, it's wonderful. So what it is, is in the first century... The Christian clergy, okay, the leaders of the Christian church, were oftentimes folks who were gravediggers and who worked in the catacombs and who worked in the places of death. Okay. And so the Christian clergy were the gravediggers out of necessity as much as anything, I'm guessing? Yeah. Like it was one of those things that they could do. And then they would be in the catacombs and the early Christian church worshiped in the catacombs. The earliest Christian congregations that we have proof of met in the catacombs. For secrecy, I'm guessing, For as much secrecy as and safety and those okay. kinds of things. And so the leaders of the church were gravediggers and workers within those catacombs by day. And then by night, they would paint the catacombs and they would create art on the catacomb walls and Uh they would lead their congregations. And the Roman soldiers referred to them much as someone might refer to someone they despised now as a cockroach. Oh, it was a derogative term. It was a derogative term that they would call them sand wasps because these sand wasps burrowed in the dirt to create their homes. And so they were the fossorians, the fossores, sand wasp annoying things that scuttled around in the catacombs and weren't afraid of death. Okay. There's very, very little about this group in time because it very swiftly disappeared and they morphed into taking actions that weren't necessarily what we would want to be associated with. But that original kind of gathering within the catacombs and living the full life of being within the space of the promised resurrection and creating art and leading people and being there, that fullness uh-huh. of living out faith is what really called to the gentleman who... Okay. Fasores has been the name of his offshoot business for years. And so he's then created the Fasores Chapter House. So a chapter house was a kind of place where clergy would go to renew and to study and to have ideas together. Okay. And so he wanted to create this place for people to integrate their faith and their passion and their art and their creativity and their joy and their ministry. And so David McDonald, who was the postdoc fellow for my doctoral work, 
created the Fasores Chapter House. And that's how you found out about it. And I got an invitation to participate. So David sent out invitations about six months ago to some of us to kind of be the guinea pigs, to check it out and see what we thought of it and to help be a part of creating what it might become. So it's very new is what I'm getting. This last week, we were the first ones to stay at the chapter house. Wow, that's kind of exciting. It was very exciting. And the house isn't done yet. Okay. The house isn't finished yet. It's not polished, which was actually part of the charm of being there this week. Sure. So the house itself is located in Jackson, Michigan. Okay. Which is about an hour west of Detroit. And they bought a Queen Anne Victorian historical house. Sure. So you have a lot of room. There's four stories Mm -hmm. and lots of rooms and I think six bedrooms and multiple different gathering spaces Mm -hmm. all over and all kinds of amazing space. But this huge giant house that was in desperate need of a lot of work. That doesn't surprise me. I think David said they took out 13 full-size dumpsters worth of garbage from the house. And dozens of bats <laughs> and and started renovating and started rebuilding it and revisioning it and imagining what it could become and how it could be something beautiful, not just something utilitarian, sure, but something truly beautiful. And they have achieved that. And there's so much more work to be done. To go this last week, it's clear how the vision exists, but... There's still, you know, molding around the ceiling that needs to be done or flat out the tin ceiling panels that still need to be put up in a room Mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. So many more person hours to be put into it. And yet to see that, it also showed how much work had already been done. Oh, yeah. And just the hundreds of hours of dedication and love and hope just poured into this architecture was stunning. It was absolutely stunning to see. Nice. Okay, so you said this was by invitation. So who all was there with you? I'm assuming it was all clergy. Leaders within Christian communities, absolutely. Okay. And then individuals. So not necessarily all Lutheran pastors. Oh, no, I was the only ELCA Lutheran there. Okay. And there were several from my doctoral cohort and several individuals that just have been close with David over the last few years that have worked with him on different projects or that he's worked on with projects. Really, we were a group of folks that he could trust to bring in and that if it was great, we could tell him that. And if it sucked, we could tell him that. Sure. And our relationship was going to make Genuine feedback is always helpful. Right. And that we had developed enough trust over time that we could enter into this ginormous risk alongside of him and all of his local community that have literally and physically bought in to creating this space that we could come in and experience it and give them real feedback about what worked and what didn't and those kinds of pieces. So we had, for this first retreat, there were eight of us from outside of Michigan who came in. And we spent time getting to know one another, hearing an update on where everyone is at in their ministry, what's going on, how it's shifting and changing. We were told to come with what is bringing you joy and what really absolutely 100% works in your ministry, what's going great, and then what's getting stuck, what's not working, where are you losing energy, where are you losing passion and focus? And then we like tossed that out into the room and then sat and batted it around a bit 
as to what are possible solutions, what are ways that we can enter into that and deal with that and wrestle with that. Sure. Fresh eyes and fresh opinions Absolutely. are always fascinating for problems like that. Yeah. So it was, it was really wonderful, really beautiful. So how long were you gone? Tuesday night, I took the red eye and I returned on Saturday. Is that typical for the people that were there? Some um, more, some less. Pretty much everybody came in like on Wednesday and then all but a few of us had left by Saturday morning. A couple left earlier in the morning and then a couple left a little later than us. Okay. So some were staying to actually serve at David's church for the weekend, that Sunday morning service. Okay. So not like a six week sabbatical kind of situation. It could be. Okay. This could be a location for someone to do that kind of work. And with the kind of creativity that goes on there in the basement, there's a video recording studio. Oh, fun. And a music or sound recording studio. So the capacity to be able to record film or music, that kind of a thing, is absolutely there in the basement. Wonderful. And David's team has already done a lot of publications and created a lot of things. So they know how to do that work. They know uh -huh. how to typeset. They know how to create the graphics and how to set them in and how to get things ready for print. The tools are there and available. Precisely. Okay. And so the chapter house has the capacity to really help people take an idea and flesh it out and make a creation. So to go on a sabbatical and to come away with one or two or maybe even three of those things is very realistic. Lovely. And it has a great potential to have that happen. I spoke for quite some time with the chair of the board and with other folks who have really invested heart and soul into this place. And where they're coming from is this whole reality of clergy burnout. Okay. And there are those of us who are able to stick through and be in this position, be a rostered leader for decades and a lifetime. Sure. And... As I was sharing before we started recording of my own graduating class, I'm not sure that more than two or three of us who are women are still serving as rostered leaders. That just is kind of mind-blowing to me, knowing the shortage of pastors that's mm -hmm. out there, one would think people would be clamoring for anyone. Warm body. Doesn't matter. Right. And it does matter. And sadly, yes. People burn. Yeah. It's really easy. One thing I want to say when it comes to the discussion of clergy burnout is that it's not that there aren't other professions that are also burning out quick. Oh, no, because there are a lot of them. Right. And we know that physicians have a high rate of suicide. And we know that the burnout among a lot of these high power professions is really high. So I don't want to be playing like the woe is me, it's so hard to be clergy card here. But I think that to recognize that there is something about the way that religious institutions in North America function creates an environment where people burn out real quick. Okay. And real hard. And I would want to look at the research, and I honestly haven't, to look at is there a higher rate of burnout among evangelical non-denominational okay. kin? Or is the burnout rate kind of across the board even? Religion in general, yeah. whoever's leading. Yeah. Interesting. So the folks at the chapter house have watched a couple of key folk burn out okay. in the last couple of years, people that they've really loved. And so they could see the problem. They could see people of great faith who loved their people, who had great talent, give up and lose hope and walk away from the church. Is this then their direct answer to that? 
I think in some ways. Okay. I think their participation in it and their investment in it in some ways definitely is to be able to say, we don't want this to happen. We want people who love God and love Jesus to be able to have a place that fulfills them and serves them. And it is truly a vastly different experience to be the primary space holder and space creator Mm -hmm. in your lifetime and then to go somewhere else where you are not that, where space is being held and created for you Uh is a very different thing. It's shocking when you recognize it and you realize just how good it is. I've only had a very small window into that world when early on in being a mom had both of my kids and I was just going to the gynecologist as a female does. Yeah. And the doctor very specifically looked at me and asked me, not about my kids. Right. Not about my family in any way, shape or form. How are you doing? What is your issue that you want to talk to me about today? And I'm like, well, nobody has asked me that in such a very long time. I may have to take a moment to think. Yeah. It's exactly that kind of a space. It's that kind of a moment of, oh, I need space held for me Mm -hmm. from time to time. And not just that I need to hear the word of grace for myself, right? I can get that. But I think it was literally to have the space held for me that was such a fascinating new, or maybe not even new, maybe I've experienced it in the past, but it's just been a while and Yeah. At this point in time is when I really needed it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I've been telling this story a lot. So each of the rooms upstairs Mm -hmm. on the second floor, we're lovingly trying to term it the wasp nest (laughs) where the rooms are. Sure. That was a colleague who came up with that clever term. But on the second floor in the wasp nest, there's like six different rooms. And it's an old Victorian house, right? So there's the big grand staircase and Uh the main rooms, but there's also like the door off on the side. And then the back staircase, that's the servant's staircase. Sure. And tucked back on that second floor by the servant's staircase is the little room about the size of this room that we podcast in. Okay. So closet size. Closet size, like a small, luxurious closet. Sure. But a little closet. That was the room I stayed in. Oh. In the servant's staircase, which I loved. It's almost kind of nice to get that more intimate space. Tucked away. Mm-hmm. I mean, introvert land, right? Oh, totally. So it was this little room and you could sponsor a room mm-hmm. and then design it however you wanted and create it. And they had really, Jason and Aaron, who flourish under creating space together. Okay. They created this amazing space, this absolutely incredible space. And a few weeks or maybe a month or two before that, I had gotten an email from David saying, we've been working on your room. We've been praying for you as we've been doing this. That just sounds hope so that lovely. You, right? We hope that you will find this to be a place that will nourish you and will be a place of rejuvenation. And we've been praying for that in this space as we've been doing this work just for you. And knowing this will also be for other people as sure, well. Sure, sure, sure. But knowing that I would be the first person to stay there. It was such an odd feeling. Like I haven't told people about this experience because it was so odd for me to receive that kind of a word. Mm -hmm. It like threw me off. But then a couple weeks later, I was sitting out in my car, air conditioning blasting, Mm -hmm. 
getting ready to like drive home. It was probably right in the middle of rush because I'd waited too long to leave or have late night meetings. So I was browsing Instagram mindlessly trying to see something beautiful. Sure. Now, for those of you who are not Portland based, (laughs) rush hour in this town can be nightmarish. Yeah. So I was just trying to like let go of the day, get prepared to be in the car for a while. Mm -hmm looking for something beautiful to see and to look through. So I go through Instagram a lot and I look at beautiful spinning or whatnot. And there's new posts from the Fasore's chapter house and Jacob's beautiful and stunning photography. Jacob is the one who was the videographer for my curriculum. And I flip through the library pictures and they're beautiful and they're neat. And I'm trying to envision myself in this space and what's it going to be like? And I'm curious and okay. And then I see the next room and it's the velvet room and I start flipping through and swiping left and... All of a sudden, I get this lump in my throat, and I thought, I think this is my room. Yeah? And it was all shades of gray with spots of teal, (laughs) (laughs) which if anyone has seen me in the last three years, that's... Story checks out. Story checks. (laughs) Um, And I scrolled down, and I read the description, and it was, sure enough, the people I had been praying for. Because he had invited me in that email telling me they were praying for me to be praying for them and their names. And so I've been praying for them. And I'm like, this, I think, is my room. But it felt like even more than I could ever have anticipated. Sure. And so when I got there and I walked into it, there's a scripture verse in the Gospel of John that says, I go before you to prepare a place for you. I've never understood it. I've never understood the allure. People choose it for funerals all the time. And I was like, whatever. Okay, fine. You want a mansion? Fine. We'll do it. <laughs> like, I just, sure. I don't mean to be flippant about that. No, but like, no. It's just never resonated well, for me. Well, until something like that clicks. It's, right? That's it. And I walked into that room and I set my stuff down and I was in a place that had been prepared for me, mm-hmm. for my wellness and for the wellness of my ministry and my service to my people. And... My soul just gasped for air and water and breath and grace. And it was such a tremendous gift. And by the end of the three or four days that I got to stay there, I had packed up all my stuff and had taken it downstairs already. And Jacob and I had taken headshots and done some videos and who knows how they're going to turn out of me in that room. But (laughs) sure. But we were done with all of that and like, okay, so I guess I'm done in the room. And Jacob looked at me and I just started crying. Mm. And he's like, I'll give you time. And he left and I just sat in the room and I went to each little space and I prayed over it and then I sat down next to the compass rose and graved on the floor and I just sat there for a few minutes to pray for the next people who come into this space that they would be as well served in this servant's room as I am and I can't wait to go back Uh but that renewal you know I left and I got on the plane and I introvert season right so I need time alone to really begin to process these kinds of experiences yep And I started writing down like all the different things and so many new ideas, so many ideas of things that I haven't been feeling. I've been so caught in the day to day, so trapped in the just get things done of ministry. And it's so easy to get trapped in the each moment, what has to happen and not take that step back and say, but what community are we seeking to create? Not just what community are we reacting to and how are we keeping things going and paying our bills, but 
what are we trying to create and who are we trying to be and how are we trying to be and why? Those questions get so easily lost, as we know, in the day-to-day running of anything, whether it's our households or a church or a business. Oh, absolutely. When you have nothing left, you're treading water just trying to make it through to the next moment. And to take the time to be around creative, inspiring, awesome people, to laugh until you cry and to cry because it's holy, all of that is such a precious gift. And that time in that space in that room was just tremendous and holy space and time. And I'm super excited about the possibilities of that space. Super excited about the possibility of figuring out how to do a sabbatical time there. Wonderful. It would be great. Okay, well, I'm not going to ask you if you enjoyed it, because obviously you did. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. not going to ask if you're going to go back, because you obviously will. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm going to ask is if people are moved by this story yeah. and want to somehow support or contribute or go themselves or go to themselves, mm-hmm. where are they going to find more information about the Fasores House? Yeah. So go to fasoreschapterhouse.com and you can find it there. You can look on Instagram for Fasores Chapter House and lots of stuff gets posted on the Instagram. The Facebook page, there's some activity there as well. So you can find it there. And I think over the next couple of months, now that there's been an event and there's more content to be able to share, sure, there will be more and more content that comes out and invitations and opportunities. They'll be doing some retreats for big retreats next year and opportunities for local gatherings for folks who are kind of around the Michigan area. There's lots of opportunities. And then we'll see what comes up with other stuff. I'm looking forward to some potential collaborations with folks that I've already reached out to after the weekend to talk about collaboration opportunities, either a book to write or a workshop or a week event to kind of help facilitate just different ideas. And so there will be more information coming out over time. Fabulous. But it's a pretty neat place. Wonderful. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite moment? Can you pick one? It's hard, but I do. Finally, on Saturday, we were able to get some singing happening. So we hadn't sung together all week. That sounds not right. I know. I should have pushed more. But one of the guests was a gentleman, Heath, who is a Grammy-nominated recording artist and really gifted and talented musician. And he was working on writing a song for Sunday morning. And so Saturday, he had his guitar out. And everything was packed, and we were leaving in about 20 minutes. And I said, can we please just sing a little bit together? Like, I just want to sing a little <laughs> bit together. you waited until the bitter end. <laughs> I know, right? And so we stood in the front parlor, and we did a couple of songs together. We did the doxology, because we are not the same traditions. Okay. So finding songs that overlap can be a challenge when we're not the same tradition group. Sure, because at that point, you really have things like happy birthday and Christmas songs. <laughs> well, we figured out, they asked what I knew, and I'm like, just start singing something, and I'll either learn it, or maybe I know it. Okay. We, I was a part of a congregation that had praise and worship like 10 years ago, so anything that was popular a decade ago, I would probably know, but... He pulled out Come Thou Fount, okay, which is a hymn, okay. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, but it's also been recorded by some contemporary Christian musicians. And I had also asked him to do Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, 
Okay. Which is a contemporary Christian piece that is lots of fun. We sang those and I got to sing harmony with him, which was so much fun to get to do the harmony and not well, be the leader. Yeah. It's the best part. It's the best part. It was so fun. And then at the end, I said, can I do a benediction? And we found kind of the center of the house. So we stepped into the middle and we formed a circle and I did the benediction that I do here at Central a lot. Sure. The Lori True Peace, um, May the Peace of Christ. And so I sang that a cappella, just eyes closed, singing to the multiple floors of the house. and That into had the, to have been beautiful. Into the wood, singing it into the wood of the home and just praying a blessing on that place and space and the people who dedicate so much hard work into it. And I had shared the metaphor that was shared with me about the wood of our building, that like the wood of a fine instrument, the vibrations of song and music and prayer that are shared within our sanctuary mm -hmm. become a part of the instrument, and it echoes into our worship service. I had shared that with them earlier, and so it was wonderful to get to add my voice into the wood of that place. So that was my favorite moment. Excellent. I think you chose wisely. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Fasori's Chapter House. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. If you are curious about this experience, please do check out the social media accounts that we mentioned. And if you have questions, feel free to ask them on Facebook or reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. We look forward to being back in your ears again. And until then, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>